0: It's finally time to play ball across all of independent league baseball, and we're going to break down that early season action here on this episode of the Indie Ball Report podcast. Right, we are back again, episode number 117 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I am Nick, he is Will, and we are going to talk about actual on-the-field baseball for the first time since September, I think, which is pretty cool to be talking about baseball now some about nine months later.
1: It is it is awesome. I mean, to be honest with you, and, and no, no disrespect to the American Association, I mean, we love the American Association, but it is nice to talk about baseball that is not specifically being played in the American association. We certainly will talk about it, but, just to, just to mix it up as far as actual baseball being played, uh, it, it's very fun. I, I had a very fun first week, so it's going to be exciting to talk about.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, it's good to have that nice variety in there. I'll admit I haven't really seen too much of the Frontier League so far. I, I think I still need to actually buy the streaming for it, so it's been hard to keep up with that. But I've watched a decent amount of the American Association. I watched a, a, a good little bit of the Atlantic League, too. So it's, it's a bit much to keep up with everything, but, you know, i rather have too much than not enough. And, uh, yeah, that I'm really looking forward to getting going, uh, this week. So, uh, we're just going to be going through each of the three leagues, seeing how they've done so far. Uh, of course, there's other, I guess, partnership leagues and independent leagues that are playing, you know, USPBL, the Pioneer League, which has just flipped the bird to pitching this year, uh, with, Putting up scores in the 30s and 20s irregularly, which I don't know how that's happening, but it's happening, and it's quite a sight to see. But we're not really talking. Yep, we're not really talking about those two leagues and leagues like them. We're just talking about Frontier, American Association, and Atlantic League, at least for now. Uh, and trust me, they've given us plenty to talk about. And with that, we'll jump into the Frontier League, and we have four teams we do want to highlight, and we're going to talk about them in just a second but i do need to say the highlight of the opening week for the frontier league in my mind is that raccoon from up in new york yeah we were at that game obviously if you pay attention to social medias you'll have seen videos and pictures of this raccoon which we really don't know where it came from it's just after i think it was the first batter in the first inning it was like a, our a second batter, I think, because first one was a strikeout, second one was a triple. And, yeah. and then the we just see a raccoon come streaking across the infield. It's going right for that outfield center wall gate. And it was a fat raccoon, too. I mean, like it was that raccoon eats well. I don't know what it's eaten or if people are feeding it. I'm not sure, but it just ran out there. I, I forget who it was, was yelling, like, keep it away from me. They couldn't get the gate. Oh,
1: the right right fielder, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, I had to get it away from me. And then it tried to get out the center field gate, couldn't do that. Then it tried to get out by the bleacher, or not by the bleacher, by the uh, short porch, and someone had to open the gate for it. And I'm not really sure what happened after that, although it tried to get onto the concourse too. But honestly, the raccoon was probably more interesting than the first inning, just because, like, (laughs) like, not to say the game wasn't interesting. I mean, it was a good game, but, still how often do you see a raccoon come trotting out into the middle of the it, field
1: and trotting out is the perfect word. it's not like it came sprinting or it was just like a nice casual jog in the center field and, and like I have no idea where it came from because it came straight up the, the middle of the field yeah. so it's not like it's not like you could see it like hop out or crawl from under the stand somewhere like that wasn't the case. It was we just turned after the first someone hit a triple, and all of a sudden we just see this this animal running on the field. I'm like, what is that? is? I'm like, oh, it's a raccoon. You said, and then you said some sort of animal that it just was not. I don't even remember I what think you said
0: I, at first. I was like, is that like a groundhog or something? Because I just took a quick look at it and it didn't really look like a raccoon at first.
1: Well, that that shows how how chunky that raccoon was.
0: Yeah, no, it was a, it was a very fat built.
1: raccoon. He has been in the. I mean, he's either been eating good over quarantine or he's been in the weight room. One or two.
0: Could be both. I mean, he could have like a Pablo Sandoval type thing going on. That's true,
1: and that he's good for one at bat a game, and not that. much else. Cause never want to see him in the field.
0: Yeah, that raccoon, honestly, like. It probably overshadows a very good Ruchalski start too. He had like twelve yeah. Ks and like seven innings of work, only like six base runs. Like a really solid start from the lefty. Like he, and was he awesome. had a great start to the year too. I mean, like he has yet to allow an earned run in two starts. I think like eleven in the third innings. So I yeah. mean, he's had a really hot start to the year so far. But the raccoon kind of overshadowed it, to be quite <laughs> honest.
1: And it's funny because uh Ruchalski, after he must have done it on like four or five different occasions. You would do the Trevor Bauer sword celebration, and I liked it. It it was a nice added added pizzazz uh, to the game. I I think it's cool to see that he's having fun out there. I know he just... Uh, from when you're listening to this, it'll be a, it'll be a few days back. I you know uh, yeah. our friend Dave over at the Frontier League Journal did an interview uh, with uh, with Danny werchansky to talk about his uh, to talk about his hot start to the season. So definitely check that out if you if you haven't already. But I mean, it, it, it's really interesting because he's one of those guys uh, that he, he he's a rookie, and uh, it, it's it's really about finding value in those rookies, and and the Boulders certainly have so far. Yeah,
0: absolutely. They have. And it's fine because that division is the one division we don't have a team to talk about from there mm-hmm. because it's just been so like even over in that side. I mean, you have Quebec, who I think is technically the, uh, the last place team or they're at three and three. Then you have Rockland that's three and three. And then one team's two and four. It's just so bunched Tri-city. up. Tri-City. Tri-City's a two and four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Tri-City's
1: one and four. Oh, they're one okay. and four. I thought they
0: were two and four. I thought, yeah. they, didn't they? Oh, yeah. No, no. They got rained right, right down, yeah, because they got like they got rained out on back to back days and then both their double headers got rained out in, in Skylands.
1: Yeah, not what you want.
0: Yeah, not exactly a great start. That's hard to get into a rhythm. You gotta give them that much. I mean, like you go you play one day, then three days you don't play, and then you go right back in the plane. That's a bit of a it's a bit hard to get into a rhythm early in the season like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's not, not exactly what you're looking for when I mean, talk about Long Island and Lexington. Not not that we're talking too much about the Atlantic League yet, but I mean, Long Island and Lexington played uh, their four game series in a matter of two days. They yeah. played three seven inning games, one nine inning game. So yeah, Long Island took three or four, but like it was so weird because it was like yeah. three out of the four of them were seven inning games.
0: Yeah, and honestly, that's been a trend across like all of independent league baseball, and I think the Frontier League especially to this point. It's been so many rainouts. There's been a lot of them. So it's really hard to, you know, get into a rhythm and and be able to judge anything when you're playing seven inning games more often than not. Plus. I mean, again, we're only like a week into the season at the time you're listening to this. I mean, it's it's really hard to make a judgment off of a whole team off of just one week. And I mean, like that's that's part of the reason why, you know, there's not too much. That's why we're only really highlighting four teams. There's not too much to say uh, about each individual team here, because it's it's hard to say, like, sure, one team could be one in four like Tri-City, but. Is 1-4 really reflective of how that team's played? Or is it just they got rained out a couple of times and it's hard to get into a rhythm and it's early in the year and they're going to bounce back around? It's really hard to say. And that kind of leads us to... That first team, which is the only remaining undefeated team in the Frontier League. Honestly, maybe the only remaining undefeated team in Independent League Ball with the yeah, Florence. So. Yeah, with the Florence y'all, seven and first in the West. And this is another example of are they actually a, a perfect team or are they just benefiting from not being rained out and. I mean, they took, they beat up on Washington and they beat up on, uh, Southern Illinois, both of which admittedly haven't had the best starts to the year, but those were both teams that when we did the preview, Every single one of us, you, me, Dave, we all agreed these are two teams that are very good and we all agreed that Southern Illinois would be a team contending not just for a division title, not just to make noise in the postseason, but for an actual championship. And they they go down 3-0 in, against uh, the Y'alls, but... Uh, more about the the yalls themselves. Second lowest team ERA in the Frontier League at 2.8 or at, at 2.80. Uh, fewest walks with or second fewest walks with 16 of them. Second most strikeouts at 59 of them. They also have the most innings pitched for whatever that's worth, and they have the second most hits among all the teams there. So they're a very strong pitching team. i see their hitting's pretty average. There's a couple of guys there that uh, I'll talk about in a little bit here uh, that. You know, are are doing a good job offensively, but you got guys like Edgar Martinez with a sub one ERA in ten innings. Over they have eleven strikeouts, only fourteen base runners from him, and then a guy like Wagner out of the bullpen, five innings, five strikeouts, three hits, no walks. I mean, like they're they're a solid team. I gotta admit that much.
1: Yeah, no, they, they've gotten off. I mean, well, you obviously could not get off to a better start uh, than, than Florence. And Florence has so far. And, you know, I mean, we, we knew that Florence was going to be a, a potential sneaky good team. I don't think anyone saw uh, anyone saw this come them starting them starting seven and out. But you're right. It, it's been it's really been led by their pitching. It's and I think it's really important to point this out, Nick, because hmm. at least watching the indie ball game so far. The one thing that has really stuck out to me is the insane amount of walks so far. Like unbelievable amount of walks that that we've seen so far, and I think that that's that could only be attributed to be to uh, a lot of guys not really playing, uh, not really playing since 2019. That's a long time, specifically for pitchers. Like you can throw bullpens, you can do whatever you want. Uh, you, you, I mean, you can play catch. There's only so many things you can do because you're not facing a batter who's actively trying to get a hit off you. And it's, 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 it's really tough, uh, for them to replicate those game reps. And of course, you have those pop-up leagues, even the, even the best pop-up leagues, like the All-American Baseball Challenge, that's playing what, 30 games? Yeah. Uh, so so that, that's not really a, a good enough sample size, especially over, over the course of a full summer. And so when you look at a team like Florence, who's only walked 16 guys in 61 innings so far, I think that's a big deal, uh, because, even the even the best pitchers that had the highest expectations in Indy ball coming into the year have walked a lot of guys so far. And when Florence is a team that's making the opposing team put the ball in play, make them beat them that way, it, it's it's different. Because hey, I mean, even the hitters are a little bit behind right now, uh, as we've seen. So I think that that's really been the most impressive part to me about about pitching. It'll be interesting to see once uh, once hitters start to get their timing whether this continues i'm sure I, I still think florence will be a good team i i don't i don't think they'll be the best team in this division eventually i think southern illinois is i i haven't I certainly haven't seen enough to change my opinion there but florence has certainly gotten off to a big start and i think um really the lack of walks from the pitching staff has been a reason why specifically from the bullpen
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also wonder, too, if it's just due to there being more independent league teams now with all the teams that wind up, you know, that basically got cut. Only the Pioneer League really is in that grouping where they're going to need to fill out their own roster. But even still, that's what, more teams that are taking pitchers, even if it's not really the same group that you're taking from, but you also have, you know, just more teams in general. And with the in the particular case of the Frontier League, Unlike the Can-Am League, there's different roster rules and different rules just around each of these teams. So I do I do wonder if you you're seeing more walks and not quite as high quality pitching just because now there's more guys that have, to, or there's the same amount of guys that have to go around to more teams. And now in the particular case of those Can-Am League teams that came over, even if there's only about four of them, plus your new additions in like. Uh, Wash, not Washington, uh, Tri City, and and all the other teams like that. If it's just look, there was already not too many good rookie pitchers. There weren't too many L one or experience two or whatever the grouping is pitchers as it was, and now we need to tap that well that was already kind of dry, even drier.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's I think I think that's definitely a possibility. I think more for leagues. Uh, like the frontier league um, just there there's always and that that was a concern of mine when when the Pioneer League came in because could you always find position players for the most part yes yeah. uh, the position players are generally not that hard to find. Pitching is really hard to find and when you when you just throw in league after league after league, it's becoming really tough to find um, quality pitching not to say that these guys, uh, are not going to turn it around. I mean, Florence has been outstanding uh, pitching wise. I, I think I, I think that that is just something you have to consider. Just like the overall, um, you, you're just spreading out the pitch, the amount of pitching that isn't really going to increase or decrease. You're just spreading it among more teams and more leagues, and uh, it, it makes it a little bit tougher for a, a, a developmental league like the Frontier League is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's something of note there. So I just want to bring up that point. But yeah, uh, also just before moving on from Florence, I will say uh, guys like Harrison Lacola have been like I'd say some of the lone offense from the team. There are other guys here, but like Dean DiNicola in particular, uh, slash line 450, 560, 800 and a home run. So, you have guys like that, uh, Cito, uh, another guy, uh, 360, 357, 520, and then Pintor, uh, 333, 448, and 625 with a home run. Those are all guys that I kind of noted that have been providing offense, but yeah, Florence is generating or is afloat by their pitching. And, uh, I just, yeah, I just want to mention some guys though that, that are doing it on the other end there. But, uh, moving on to the next team. Staying in the West Division, the second-place team in the West Division at 4-1, and one, the Evansville Otters, another team that honestly is not that bad pitching-wise. Like They have the fifth-best team ERA, 3.51, so certainly not bad. Uh, they're tied for second in hits allowed, so fewest hits allowed, at 31 total hits allowed through those five games, which also is far from bad. And then... Really, their batting is what's carrying them along a team slash line. Cause I know, Will, you, you pointed out in the most recent post uh, while we're recording this, but the post from, I guess that would be Wednesday night, Thursday morning, that time where you made yeah. note of the high point slash line as a team. Yeah. This is a little bit uh, crazier though. As a team, they're batting 308, 399,
1: 428. Yeah. That you're not going to lose many games doing that. And of course, five games is five games, but I mean the 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 Evansville offense has been just off the charts so far, um, and especially when you're getting on base. I mean, nearly forty percent of the time, um, it's been it's been really impressive. And you look at a guy, I've, and the offense being led uh, by a guy like Andy DeJesus, who came over in a trade uh, with Gary. He's hitting four fifty. He's nine for twenty. Uh, so far, uh, the, their offense has been really, really impressive. Uh, we mentioned on some teams; their their the offenses are a little bit behind at the moment. Uh, but of course, Evansville is not seem to be uh, does not seem to be one of those teams. And, and the thing is, also, they're not striking out very much. I mean, in a hundred in one hundred and fifty nine total at bats, they've only striked out thirty one times. Which is really uh, that's a good mark. I mean, nineteen percent of the team uh, in, in in today's yeah. game of baseball, 19, a nineteen percent strikeout rate. They're putting the ball in play. That that's really gonna play. That's really gonna play well for them.
0: Yeah, that, that was one point I wanted to my, I wanted to make note of, when your team as a whole is only striking out in about a fifth of all your at bats that means you're putting the ball in play a lot. And if the ball is in play, that means you can do something. Yeah, it's not really with the modern approach of, you know, there's gonna be a lot of strikeouts, but there's gonna be a lot of power hitting. But it certainly is an effective way to play the game, especially on the independent level where you're probably not gonna get a lot of these uh, big ball like big brawlers, big punishing hitters. It, playing a small ball type of style is certainly gonna work and it's worked here. I mean, other guys that have been hitting Dakota Phillips a 455 batting average, uh, plus player of the week, Riley Crane, 389, 429, and 778 with a pair of home runs. Both very soft players. And of course, Schultz is also doing well too. I mean, he's slugging about 500. So you can't really complain there either. And also they're on base a lot like that's the thing they're also drawing a lot of walks they're second for on base percentage uh, with a shade under 400 like i mentioned earlier at 399 this is a team that just finds a way to get on base. They find a way to just constantly produce. And if you're constantly on the base path, if you're constantly producing offense, that's obviously going to be a positive. It's obviously going to work to your advantage, and you're going to get runs across that way. And they've shown it. They're only lost coming against uh, Quebec. Everything else, 2-1 and one versus Quebec, one and over Schaumburg, a rain out there. And Lake Erie, they're 1-0 as of the time we record this. I mean, obviously, they don't have the the easiest slate coming up. They do have three at Florence after four at Schaumburg, so perhaps that could change uh, in a week from now. Maybe we're talking about a different course here, where you're going up against one of the best pitching teams in Florence, and maybe that cools them down. But as of right now, this is a team that is hitting a lot. They are getting uh, on base, and they are producing a lot of runs.
1: Yeah, and outside of and outside of that. The, that loss to Quebec when they lost three to two. I mean, 15 to two win, six to three win, five to two win, 10 to six win. I mean, uh, th- their offense has been really impressive so far. However, you mentioned maybe not the best schedule they've played so far. So uh, I-, I think that will be interesting, especially uh, in their Florence series, Coming up, um, once we get into next week, when when Evansville ha- has to go to Florence to play what appears to be a very good Florence Yalls team, so I think that uh, that'll be a really interesting series to talk about next week to see who's for real uh, in the, in this division. Yep,
0: absolutely. And on that note, we go to another first place team in Windy City, first in the Central, four and one. Uh, this is another team that is really a top-of-the-line pitching team. I'd probably say would be the best pitching team as they have the lowest team ERA at 2.05, which is just ridiculous as a team staff. The fewest hits with 30, the fewest walks with only 9 in in their uh, five games played, so less than two a game. Third-most strikeouts at 57. Grant you, they cannot really hit. uh, As a team, 233, 333, 296 would be their slash line. 3rd worst slugging, they're really just not hitting for power at all but they do have the fourth most stolen bases with 12 of them so for whatever that is worth i gotta say there's two guys on this team that are really worthy of note as far as the batting side goes zach taylor who's only gone in, i believe three games and then uh calabrese has uh, also performed well 389 476 389 uh for his slash line no home runs but he is seemingly to be one of the sole sources of offense, but the, the pitching staff in this team, there there is a lot of guys that just straight up have not given up an earned run. I mean, two starters at least have yet to give up an earned run. One of them being yeah. Thornton, who in two starts, 13 inks, no earned runs, 15 strikeouts, six hits, three walks. That's why he was the pitcher of the week in the Frontier League and uh, he is another, he's just a great pitcher. Um, Belair's another dude, uh, another eight strikeouts, six uh, inning start, only five base runners there, and their bullpen has some real real strong guys too.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Tyler Thornton. I mean, he's been a guy who 2019 certainly was a year to forget in Windy City, but he was really good. He, He was really good, of course, last year had a, 2.69 ERA in 18 total appearances, 15 starts, just over uh, 100 innings. So we know we know Tyler Thorn was going to be uh, one of the one of their better pitchers, but he has been absolutely outstanding so far. I mean, the, the pitching as a whole has just been terrific. You just look at the sheer number of strikeouts. I mean, 57 strikeouts with a team in 44 innings. I, I mean that, that that that's really really impressive so far. You worry a little bit about the offense. You would just as far as the sta- sustainability uh, of the success. I know Rob Calabrese is a guy that played in the summer, Somerset Professional Baseball Series uh, last summer, so I got to watch him a little bit. He he definitely looked like a, a plus bat uh, behind the plate, which is really really valuable. Um, if you look at the numbers, the numbers aren't great, but. I've never seen a man hitting uh, hit more screaming line drives that are outs than I think I saw Rob Calabrese uh, did last summer. So I mean, he you're starting to see those balls fall in. He's been really, really good so far. So I think I worry a little bit about the offense uh, as a whole, just in terms of sustainability and trying to sustain the success. But the pitching, like like a lot of the. If, if you haven't noticed, there's a there's a pretty common trend uh, that the best pitching teams, at least to start, are going to be near the top of the league as as the offenses still start to get warmed up. So I think that that's my main takeaway for for, for Windy City. It'll be interesting to see if they if they if they can keep it up because uh, I, I hate to break it to any Windy City fans, but Tyler Thorne is going to give up a run eventually.
0: Yeah, that. Now, so they have a couple other guys, Abatello and Asua. They also have yet to give up a run, each three innings, each 5Ks, each have yet to even give up a hit. One uh, gave up a walk, one did not, but I mean, the pitching staff is next level, and you're all right, if you have good pitching to start the year, you're going to be at the top, that's going to be true with the next team we're going to talk about, but uh, I just, it is something else, Uh, to, to just view... This team in pitching wise, they're three and one versus Joliet. They're one and zero versus Gateway. They have a three-game set against Joliet in Joliet, and uh, three games versus Southern Illinois uh, also in this week. Now, for that last team of the Frontier League, we're going to talk about this week. Uh more of a local team, probably one that a lot of our listeners care about, the Sussex County Miners, first in the Northeast, 4-1. and one. They obviously had some rainouts when they were playing Tri-City, so they've only gotten some games in against New Jersey and the one against Tri-City. Uh but they are the third best ERA in the league, 307, second fewest hits or 31. Tied for uh runs allowed with 14. uh, third fewest walks with 17 and as a team they are hitting 295 410 and 479 slash line third in runs four with 30 of them second in home runs with six of them second in stolen bases with 17 tied for third most walks they've gotten uh with 28 second fewest k's with 37 Second in batting average at 295. And then first in both uh, on-base percentage and slugging. So as you could guess, OPS, they are also first in as well. This is a team that can hit. This is a team that can pitch. This is a team that we expected this to come from them, as uh, we said in the preview. And they are uh, they are really just doing really strong. And I just want to point out, they have two guys that have started every game so far that are batting 500.
1: I mean, w- we did... Uh, this is kind of. I, I don't ever want to say. I I, I I always hate saying this is what we expected from a team because we never expect the team to be this insane at the beginning at the beginning of the year. However, I mean we knew Sussex County is a team that essentially did not have many weaknesses. or certainly not noticeable when looking at a team on paper. Of course, team games are not played on paper. Games are played on the baseball field. Uh, but I mean they have just been. Insane so far, hitting wise, pitching wise. I mean, D- Daniel Herrera, the guy that's you mentioned. He's hitting 500 uh, in his first 14 at bats, seven for 14, with a home run to start the year. And how about Trey Hare? I mean, Trey yeah. Hare's night the other game. Oh uh, he, yeah, the three home the run night run. again against the Jackals. I mean, oh my goodness,
0: he has I, I believe, more home the, runs than most teams in this league have.
1: Yeah, I mean. It, Cause I believe the final score of that game was like 17 to seven or something like that. Yeah. Too, right. It was 17 seven. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So Sussex County is just, I mean, they're a powerhouse, honestly. And, and now you're starting to see, um, you're starting to see the team that, that Bobby Jones, uh, put into putting, you're starting to see him on the field and they have just been awesome. and, we know a guy like Adi Siriaco is going to hit, and he hasn't even really hit yet. He swore for his first 17 uh, with a home run, so it's not even like he's gotten going yet. Yeah. So, I mean, the, it's not. It, it, you look at this team; it's not like there's uh, a ton of. Well, the, these guys are almost doing too well. Well, no, I mean, certainly nobody's going to be hitting 500 on this team by the end of uh, by, the, by the end of June. But I mean, this is this is what we expected. Uh, from this team and on the pitching side i mean tyler alexander um his first start was brilliant 12 strikeouts in eight and a third innings almost went the distance uh it, it's a it's pitching staff that's been really deep the bullpen has been great i mean this team has just been awesome so far and it's gonna be interesting at least in in, in the next uh they, they have some games coming up uh, against the Boulders, the Boulders are first place uh, in their division at the moment. Uh, they're or they're tied with, with Quebec. So Sussex County, Sussex County, um, at least after we're recording this on a Thursday, they have one more against New Jersey. Although with the rain in the forecast, uh, God knows if that's actually going to play. But uh, I mean, they, they have they have a, a very long homestand. So, I mean, Sussex County has a, I believe, a, a 10-game homestand coming up uh, against against the Boulders, Quebec, and Tri-City all in a row. So, if there was ever a chance for um, for Sussex County to really extend their lead in this division, it's right now. It's right now, and I could certainly see them doing that uh, in this homestand, playing all, playing 10 straight games at Skyland Stadium and against uh, against teams like the Boulders, Quebec, and Tri-City who, have, who haven't been great so far. So, I, I think you could, it'll be interesting to see if they can really take care of business and maybe maybe put together a seven and three homestand, an eight and two homestand to really separate themselves from the pack. Because New Jersey is still a very good team. Uh, so, th- they will not be going down quietly. But I think this is where you look to see is Sussex County going to have that big homestand to really separate themselves from the pack?
0: Yeah, that and also Washington's not going to be as bad as they have been. They're not going to, they're going to recover. Uh, sooner or later, hopefully sooner for their sake. But yeah, this homestand that could very well be a seven and three homestand. Like, it really could. I could see them just really, really dominating these teams because I mean, we saw Tri City and we saw Rockland play the other night. Obviously, when the raccoon happened, but neither one of them looked overwhelmingly good. If I'm being honest, they both look fine. They look solid. I don't expect for them to, you know, keep playing at like this kind of milk toast level, but neither one of them did I go, this would be a very difficult team to beat no matter who you're playing. I think they're a difficult team for probably 60% of the league, 75% of the league, but there are teams here where I just go, yeah, I could see how they're beatable. I could definitely see how they're beatable. And they, Rockland, Quebec, Tri City, they've all proven to this point that they are extremely beatable. I mean, hell, Sussex County, technically, one of their losses did come to Tri City, but they also beat them twice. And if you're going to be on the verge of sweeping New Jersey tonight, again, pending rain, uh, you obviously can beat good teams. So beating a Tri City isn't hard. Beating a Rockland isn't hard. Beating a, wait, my mistake, beating a New York isn't hard regardless, beating in Quebec isn't going to be that hard. This is definitely a team that could take advantage of that, like you said. But I do want to backtrack to when you mentioned Syriaco. Even Syriaco is not playing badly. I mean, like, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, he's batting, what, about 263, roughly, I think I was the number I saw? Uh, I have
1: 238. But, okay, I mean, even still.
0: I mean, like, even still, like, fine. Like, yeah. it's... He doesn't need to perform at the present moment when you have Herrera batting 500, Riho batting 500. Plus, can I just point out that Herrera has an OPS of nearly 1,500?
1: Can I uh, and that, 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 That'll apply.
0: Yeah, 1,491. And also, Trey Hare had a number similar to that, too. Oh, and also, Riho is at uh 1,231 for what that's worth. Like... And that just, that doesn't even mention like Cito Culver, who's batting nearly 400 or two, might I add, and a home run. And also you have John Jones, too, uh, like Martian Manhunter here, uh, 357 have batting average, and he has an OPS of uh, 28 too, which, you know, on any other team would be like, oh, wow, he's really doing well this year. And on here, you're like, yeah, he's the. Th- fourth maybe even fifth best bat in this lineup like sussex is really hard to beat and i do want to point out billy lane also a great start five innings six strikeouts two hits three walks no earned runs uh vargas another dude 1.8 era five innings three Ks, two hits three walks and miller coming in out of the bullpen uh two and two thirds innings so far four strikeouts only one base runner it was a hit uh no earned run so this is just a complete team every way you cut it so I, I just want to make note of that so far and uh, on that note i think we've talked enough about the frontier league i think we can move on to the american association now but i am interested to see in a week from now if the frontier league's in a different place but i will say shifting out to the american association there have been some surprises mainly Is chicago yep Chicago, Sioux Falls, even Sioux City, a little bit surprising. There have been some negative surprises too. Um, Winnipeg, which I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on in a second. Cleveland oh boy, do I. Yeah. Cleburne, also not exactly doing great. Kansas City, not exactly doing great. And then there have been some expectations, you know, like Fargo Moorhead, I've been pretty spot on there. 10 and 5. Yeah. A solid, solid performance so far. Granted, some Apollo games, but you know, still there. Kane County doing pretty good, a little bit better than they thought they would be doing, but you know, still pretty good. Lincoln doing about as well as expected. Same thing with the Apollos, 2 and 11. Uh, Honestly, the Cleburne win kind of surprised me a bit. The Gary win, not as much because Gary is a 6 and 8 at the present moment. I think they may be uh, 7 and 8 right now, actually, but even still, it's a little bit of surprising of a turn of events. I thought Gary may be a little bit poorer. Uh, they obviously didn't look good against Milwaukee that first series, but have since rebounded. All in all, though, the league has been fairly intriguing. Not exactly as expected, but it never does go that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, Fargo-Moorhead to begin with. We were on the For- Fargo-Moorhead train from the beginning. Uh, So they're certainly making you look good. You know who's not making me look good? Would, uh-huh. you, would you like to say? Would you so, like to say it?
0: Yeah, the, the Winnipeg
1: General Jacksons. That, that would be the Winnipeg gold eyes. and listen, we're only at this at this moment, we're only 14 games into the year. So that far from uh, far from any sort of, of panic button, but they're five and nine, which is not good. Uh, it's just been very disappointing. I, I, I look at this team on paper like every year. And I think, oh, I I see so much here. They're like, on paper, they're good. But then, uh, pitching-wise, Nick, you want to know what their team ERA is?
0: What's their team ERA? 6.50. They're letting up nearly seven runs a game?
1: 6.50 is their current ERA as a team.
0: So what you're telling me is, some nights they need to score eight, other nights they have it easier and have to score seven runs in order to get a win.
1: That is correct. Okay, so, they have a six fifty ERA as a team. By the way, these are earned runs. Not even talking about the runs that are scored in general. For sake of my point, I am going to put in. I am going to put in all their runs uh, into into the handy dandy ERA calculator, and we're going to see what this comes up as. Yeah. Uh, While okay, you are putting so, that in?
0: I just sure. want to point out one thing here. If you compare Winnipeg's numbers to say the Houston Apollos. They're pretty oh damn similar when it comes to the pitching. Uh, That's not a well, good thing.
1: If you add in unearned runs, their ERA is seven point five one. So they're really giving up seven and a half runs a game. Which is a absolutely staggering number. Yeah, no, there are uh, nine. Yeah. And shout out Corey Thompson out of the bullpen. I see you, man. You're balling. Eight shutout innings so far, 13 strikeouts. He's doing great. Jose Jose, we knew Jose Jose is going to be great because he always is. Uh, what about other guys? Like, um, I mean, the starting rotation, I mean, my goodness. The best starter on Winnipeg right now, uh, the best starter, which is currently Christian James, uh, ERA wise, yeah. is 5.02 and he is their best starter at the moment. I mean, you look at guys who I was expecting a lot out of like Edward Reyes, the former jackal, 6.60 ERA. And I mean, the walks are just oh my goodness, 72 walks in 115 innings. At this point, man, it's it is frustrating to put my to put to say the least, uh, to put my faith into this team that looks so good on paper and they just disappoint. Now, it's, it's so early in the year. They're five and nine. That's not good to be. If you ask me, I think they're lucky to be five and nine. To be quite honest with you, yeah. uh, and and because and, and because their offense and shout out Dakota Connors and uh, Kevin Lechance because they are hitting very well right now, especially D- Dakota Connors, a guy I've got, I've talked to a little bit. He was going to yeah. play for the Road Warriors last year. Really good guy. Glad to see he got a chance and he's making the most of it in Winnipeg. That's that that's super awesome. But I mean, they're all they're not even really hitting that bad. They're really not. They're hitting 253 as a team, which, as a team, is not a bad mark at all. It's just the pitching is so bad. So you would think if the pitching would denormalize to, like, normal human levels, uh, they would they, they, they would potentially uh, become more closer to 500, which, again, I think they're lucky to be 5-9 and nine right now. But they really, 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 really need to pick it up. That's the end of my rant.
0: Yeah, like uh... – plus you look at like the teams they're losing to, and like at first it was a bit surprising like Sioux Falls but Sioux Falls has done better than expected same thing with Chicago Milwaukee they only got what two games in against them and even then like their win was three to one their loss to them was 11 to three they just they can't keep runs off the board like that's the thing like you look at some of the scores here Nine, nothing on opening day. They won. Then they lose to Chicago, nine to five. They lose to Chicago, eleven to three. They lose to Milwaukee, eleven to three. They lose to King County, seventeen to eight. They lose to Chicago, twelve to nine. Like some of these are coming in extra innings too. I'll grant you that. But even still, I mean, like it's it's pretty bad. And some of these are blown lost are blown wins too. They have leads and they just blow it. I will say though, there are a couple of other guys that are doing decent. Like Kyle Martin's doing well. Max Murphy's doing well, at least from a power standpoint. Even, like, a guy like Jake Gonzalez, yeah, only, like, six or seven games in so far. But he's getting on base. I mean, like, that's worth something. But, yeah, all in all, it's just, it's been a disappointing effort there. Honestly, I'm almost willing to throw Milwaukee into that same boat, too. They're a 500 club, uh, 4-6 and in their last ten, seven and 7 on the year. But, all in all, I mean, like, they're not, uh, they're not really burning the world down. Trey Martin's looked good in four games. Honestly, Adam Brett Walker hitting like 317 It's kind of surprising. I'm not going to lie. Like, I kind of expect uh, more power and less, uh, less average hitting from him, but still, like, good for him, though. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Aaron Hills had a tremendous start to the year, too. 310, four home runs. He had the two home run game in Gary, too. Uh, 12 walks too so i mean like he's doing a decent job of getting on base too mason davis is now on the injured list but he was doing pretty good as well before that so i mean like they're hitting but their pitching is you know there's a couple of guys i don't want to say like they're all that bad hadley's done very well out of the bullpen um hartman also both of them about seven eight innings pitched hadley though in eight innings 13 strikeouts like he's just been dominating there Miles Smith's apparently a starter now. I didn't expect that, but he's done. Yeah, what
1: was that?
0: Like, 16 innings and three starts, so he's obviously not exactly, like, going deep here. He's giving you five innings, which, I mean, is fine. Uh More walks than strikeouts, which is not exactly the most encouraging sign, but a 112 ERA is fine. Zimmerman's doing fine. Salter's doing fine. And that's when the issue starts to come in because you really only have three starters. Holmberg has just not been good. Like, that's the kind of surprising thing here about 19 innings and 10 earned runs. 21 hits. I mean, like, he's, he's getting hit hard. And outside of those, like, two guys in the bullpen here, there really isn't much coming out of the bullpen. Dietz has uh, not done well. Dune has not done well. Birard has not done well. Kowalczyk's not done well. Also, Brett Verdigan had to throw one inning in relief and he gave a run. But, I mean, like, it'll happen. Also, I think you have a triple too, but uh, that doesn't really matter. But there's just really, really there isn't that kind of depth in the bullpen here, and that's been hurting them a lot.
1: Yeah, I, I, you would think that at least from Milwaukee's sake, a lot of those, a lot of those things start to normalize. Yeah. Uh, that's so I, I wouldn't be too worried about them. Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I think. They're certainly capable of adding pitching midseason, as we see in all all across indie ball. Teams that you start with the year start that you start the year with are not the teams that you usually end the year with. So I think it's I, mean, I think they're I, I really do think it'll normalize. I think they'll I think they'll be I, I think they will certainly improve. Uh, I mean they get to they get to play Winnipeg this weekend uh, in an all disappointment series. I guess yeah. so far. Uh, so, I guess we'll see who becomes less disappointing out of that group. Uh, but maybe I'm coming across a little harsh. It's really early. Yeah. But I, I think I, I think Milwaukee, uh, I really do think Milwaukee will be fine. They're, there's just way too much talent on the roster. I yeah. don't think David Holmberg will continue to be that bad. They'll certainly give them an opportunity to figure it out. So, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried about them.
0: Yeah, like I don't say this much. If they're still in the same boat, this time next month, in the beginning of July, then I'm going to be concerned. At that sure. point, then then it's time to be concerned because we're only like 15% of the way down with the season. You tack on another 25 games, all of a sudden now we're approaching that halfway mark in the year, 40% mark of the year. And why? Yeah, it's not as difficult as it would be in, say, Major League Baseball to turn it around. It's still, there's two playoff spots per division and you're really going to rely on someone to collapse and you'd get hot and it really makes the climb a lot more difficult but it's still very early on on that note though i do want to go to one of the more positive surprises with uh, fargo moorhead and the guy who's just done amazing so far and has seemingly come out of nowhere to just do this great Will Zimmerman, man, he's batting nearly 400. He has a couple of home runs. He's getting, uh, he's getting on. He's he's moving over. He's got a stolen base here. Only one strikeout and 18 at-bats. So, I mean, certainly not bad. Leo Pena's doing well. Boxwell's doing well. Dexter's doing well. Prime and Kelly doing like we thought. It's a pretty solid team, every which way you cut it. And even pitching-wise, they've done very well, despite losing a guy like Keegert, despite losing a guy like Pike. They're still pitching well. Nilsson's pitching well. Forrest is pitching well. Hope's pitching well. McGovern's had, like, a renaissance as well, too. I mean, he has a yeah. 156 ERA in his three starts. It was a complete game in there, too, mind you. And he had one game against the Apollos on this past weekend where he put 17 of them down in a row. Like, that's pretty damn good. 27 strikeouts, too, in the 23 innings. Versteeg, not bad at all, either.
1: Yeah, I think Fargo Moorhead really, I mean, they've been as bad a well, a well-rounded of a team as you could, as you could possibly get. And you're right. It's impressive because they have lost some guys. They have lost some guys like Pike, who they thought they were going to be their major contributors coming into the year. Uh, of course, with Pike uh, getting picked up, uh, getting his contract purchased. So I think that it really speaks to the depth they built around that team uh, to be able to, to be able to, uh, to be able to sustain a loss like that. Uh, I, I think, and then offensively, they've been really good. I mean, they're hitting 290 as a team. I mean, ERA as a team is a 3.12. I mean, uh, I mean, there's not, there's not many more well-rounded teams that you can find than a team like Fargo and Moorhead. And that's why, that's really why they're at the top uh, of the standings right now. No doubt about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a really solid and well-built team. That, that's just the only way to describe them. Uh, there's other teams that we need to get to mentioning, so I'm going to kind of skip over Kane County, which I do want to talk about next week, uh, because they certainly have been good. But two teams that do need to get talked about here, because we still do have a whole league to get to. Uh, but we do need to make quick note of Cleburne. What the hell? They just have not been playing very well, uh, all in all. Uh, Clannan's been doing well. Nerey's been doing well. Lago's been doing well. Hernandez has been really, really good, too, I have to point out. 21 RBI so far, leading the way in the league, uh, and five home runs. He's been doing extremely well. I'm kind of surprised he's still here, to be quite honest. But pitching-wise, like, Wilson's been there. Melitakis has been there. Marriott's been one of the better pitchers in the league. And then after that, you have a bit of a drop-off. Chavez has been doing okay, but Maverick Buffo... Not exactly lighting the world on fire. Saucedo, I believe, got moved to the injured list after, like, one and, a, one and two-thirds innings. But they're really... The pitching just is not there. Like, all in all, it really isn't there. Like, you have, they have enough offense where they should be better than they are. But they just aren't that good at the present moment in time. Even a guy like John Nestor's struggling. Like, they're hitting for power, I will say that much. 16 home runs so far in 14 games. But man, they—they're just disappointing at this point.
1: It's been kind of—it's been really surprising so far that you—that they really have not uh, performed up to expectations. I think part of that is the guys they lost. I believe Varett got picked up, yeah. Um, so he's not there anymore. He was expected to probably be their best arm out of the rotation. Probably. So that definitely hurts. Hernandez has been really impressive, but I mean, he certainly needs more help in that lineup. Um. But I, I think specifically on the pitching side, I think there's too much talent uh, for it to not. And again, they're still around 500, uh, so I, I don't think there's there there's too many reasons to uh, to be concerned uh, with them. But they've, they've certainly struggled early on. But you know, luckily for them, that nobody really uh, in, in the south in the uh, in the south division has been. Uh, that great so far. Nothing that they can't overcome. So I still think Cleveland's in a fine spot. I, I think they'll rebound and and start to play a lot better and a lot more uh, up to their capabilities.
0: Yeah, like I don't think they're going to stay this bad, but it is surprising where they're at. And it's kind of funny because Kansas City is kind of like the opposite. Jan Hernandez is doing well. Guerrero is doing well. Root John's doing well. Nobody else is batting above 250. Uh, so that's an issue. And Will Kengar being not great has also been surprising too. Uh, a grand only yeah. five games, but still a bit surprising. Uh, pitching wise, again, like they have Stout, they have Baker, Romano, Lenick, Ellington, and Diaz, and that's about it. Uh, that outside of that, they really have not gotten much else pitching wise. James McGreen, another surprising dude that's just not performing where he needs to be right now. Uh, Cody Mincy granted only one appearance, and he gave up a run in one inning. So, I mean, you can't really say. Uh, Schaefer, not doing well. Uh, Travisio not doing well. Torres, not doing well. There's a lot of guys that just aren't doing well. And I understand it's been, what, 14 games, 13 games, something like that. And there's still a lot of baseball to play. But it is surprising that you have this many guys kind of struggling i guess it goes back to what we were saying with the frontier league which is the teams with good pitching are doing well and the teams without good pitching are not doing well
1: at least because it just seems like the hitters are behind uh it just seems like the hitters are behind right now but i think that i I really do think that'll change i think you know at least for cleburne's sake kansas city is uh also struggling at the same time so I think they're still the two most talented teams in that division. I think that I really do think uh, that they'll both be fine.
0: Yeah, I, I figure it'll work out that way. There's obviously other teams we want to talk about, but we do have a whole other league to get to, so we'll probably talk Sioux City, Sioux Falls, and probably Kane County next week as long as they keep their hot play. Uh, so with that note, we'll go to the last league we're going to talk about this week, which is the Atlantic League. And obviously... There have been some teams which we were like, "Oh, they're gonna be, they're gonna be good, they're gonna be good, they're gonna be good," and they haven't been exactly great. But like we said in the beginning, there's been a lot of rainouts, and even still, there's one team that kind of stands above them all, and that is High Point.
1: High Point has we expected them to be really good uh, coming into the season, but they have been, I mean, unreal uh, so far, starting. 5-1. Uh, they went to York, took 3-4 uh, in York. And, and since then, they've come home, they've played the Barnstormers, and they've won big twice. And so I, I think that their offense specifically... I mean, when you have an on-base percentage of four sixteen as a team, I mean, that is going to be really tough to beat. And, and a guy like Logan Morrison, I mean, again, he literally had... A thousand, uh, a thousand plus OPS uh, in in AAA last year. He's been outstanding. I mean, even a guy like Giovanni Alfonso, uh, who who's really more of a glove first type of guy, is hitting like three eighty for them. Uh, so, I mean, their pitching has been good. Uh, and Craig Stem had a rough first start, but knowing his track record, I wouldn't be concerned about that. Uh, but I mean, the high point offense has just been absolute. They've absolutely mashed so far and that's that's been really impressive to see, and it's been led uh, by guys like Logan Morrison, and and High Point has certainly lived up to expectations so far. Granted, uh, they're taking care of business against, I think you'd probably agree, some of the league's weaker competition, a team like uh, Lancaster, a team like York, and and Mm. York has really been the disappointment of the league so far through the first six games, Uh, but... It's of course it's important to take care of business again against those against those type of teams uh, so far. But I mean, high points been really impressive. Their offense has just been insane. Uh, I, I don't think they could ever really keep it keep it to that level. Uh, but I mean, Logan Morrison has homered four times to- uh, has homered three times in the last two games, uh, and it, I think the offense is going to continue. Um, maybe not to hit at that level, but at similar levels. Uh, and so high point has really emerged as the team to beat, um, in the league. Uh, and the South division as a whole is really good. So they're not, they're not really blowing anybody out. They're not really pulling away as far as the division. We've, we've predicted the South division was going to be a lot better than the North division. It certainly has been. Uh, and so, but high point at least early on has emerged as the favorites.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I'm just happy to see my guy Edwin Arroyo doing well. Like, he has done really, really well. And, again, like, this dude, he just finds a way to produce wherever he goes. But the team that I really kind of want to talk about, because I've been surprised how well they've done, and I understand they played Lancaster and they played York too. I get it. But Gastonia, like, I feel like everybody, everybody was saying about this team, They're not going to be good. They're going to win 30 games. I feel like that's been the general consensus. And yet here we are. They're three and three. And I understand we've only played a week. So there's a there's way too much time to be able to judge anything. And six games out of 120 means very little. That said, I don't think anyone thought they'd be doing well. And they've done surprisingly well. And I get that some, if not All of their offense so far, pitching, isn't exactly the most sustainable. But I'm still kind of surprised with how well they've done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly surprised. Uh, I'm I'm certainly surprised. I just think what I'm, uh, I guess, a little bit concerned about them is just that I mean, you, you, you really brought up the point that it it doesn't seem like the most sustainable success because the guys they need to perform pitching wise really have not to this point. They're big leaguers in the bullpen. They're Robbie Scott's, Jamie Callie, Jamie Callahan's. Uh, those type of guys, uh, haven't performed, uh, that well so far. But I mean, I mean, you look at the team, Jake Skull in the leadoff spot has been awesome. So far, he's been a big surprise. Had a two home run game on Wednesday night. Uh, currently has an OPS uh, of 917. So he has been great so far. Um, even a guy like Jordan Howard. And Jordan Howard is a guy that was signed out of the prospect dugout showcase. Uh, he had come in with no professional experience. He put up good numbers. He put up, gr- actually, I should say great numbers in Division Two uh prior to this year but jordan howard has been has been awesome so far hitting 368 now isn't walking a ton so uh you wonder how how much he can keep it up but he has an ops uh over a thousand as well gomez certainly at second base also even a catcher like uh like uh like ermine escobar uh known as a bit of a light hitter he's hitting 300 so far so when I, when I look at a team like Gastonia, I just look at, alright, where is their um, uh, for regression in their lineup? I think there's plenty of it. Uh, again, six games is six games. So, but they certainly have been, have been a surprise so far. I mean, they're second in the league in one scored. Uh, which I don't think anyone saw coming at least early on. So, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll have to see. I mean, they have a very, very tough stretch coming up schedule wise. You mentioned they've only played York and Lancaster so far. Uh, so, and listen, th- they go to High Point this weekend. That's going to be tough. Uh, then, then, then they go to Lancaster, which, uh, w- we'll see how they, I mean, Lancaster did take three or four from them in their opening series. So, we'll have to see how that goes. And then they go to Lexington, which is Lexington. They're three and three, but they also played. I, I don't, I still think Lexington's really good. I, you look at Lexington. They, they played, they lost three of four against Long Island. Uh, but like three of those were seven. And they lost all those, all the, all all three of their losses have been seven inning games. And like, I believe two of them were by one run. So, take that for what you will. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I think Gastonia. This 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 upcoming nine games is going to tell us a lot about them.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of want to see. Like, I expect them to fall back to earth, back to expectations. But I do want to see them do well. Like, if they found a way to go five and four, I would run with that to the bank. Like that
1: is a very successful. Oh, absolutely. Like that. Even 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 four and five.
0: Yeah. Like honestly, like as long as you keep it respectable. I think it's fine. Like, I think you're at a fine point this year. You just got to keep up with the pace. But on that note, you mentioned Lexington. You mentioned that they've gotten kind of a short draw playing a lot of seven inning games so far. They're also, uh, I believe they're three and three or about that. Um, three and three. Yeah. Yep. Three and three. So, uh, I'm just kind of wondering what's up with them. I mean, like, is that just a, a seven? any game hype problem here is it just yeah, like I really
1: they're... think it is
0: okay so it's not just that they're relying on uh Ben Askolinski Askolinski uh Ben, ben
1: Aklinski, and... yeah he's Ben Aklinski has been absolutely crazy so far <laughs> I mean he's hitting 529 through his first five games nine of 17 at the plate, three home runs and he's one of he's one of the guys that I kind of viewed as at the time like uh, he's a university of Kentucky he got drafted out of Kentucky Uh, so kind of a hometown signing for the fans, but he has been really good so far. Uh, a guy who's been definitely disappointing through the first six games has been Courtney Hawkins. I mean, Courtney Mm -hmm. Hawkins, two first, two for his first 23, uh, at the plate. He's hit some balls hard though, right at people. I, I did watch most of that Lexington Long Island series. And that's kind of, um, what it seemed like to me. Uh, but. I think that there's a lot of I mean DJ Peterson has been great so far coming over from Sugarland. So I I think when you look at a team like Lexington, they've beaten Southern Maryland twice to this point. Uh they're playing of course they're playing again tonight looking for the sweep. Um but they're three they're they again at Long Island they lost three or four there. One of the games they had a three nothing lead in the sixth inning, and Hector Sanchez had a go ahead grand slam. Uh, to win the game four to three in and, uh, and, the, and then in the nightcap of, of that same doubleheader, they lost. Um, Lexington lost on a walk off grand slam by Steve Lombardozzi. So they very, if they could protect the lead late in the game against Long Island, they could very easily be five and one right now, and we'd have, be having a much different discussion about them. So mm. I, I think the talent, I think the talent is there. Uh, I think they certainly need a guy. Um, guys a guy like Courtney Hawkins to hit much better Keon Barnum st- uh, still waiting for that massive first Keon Barnum blast but he has been he has been pretty good so far he had four hits uh, on Wednesday night hitting 318 at the moment Uh but still you have to have an extra base hit so I think but I, I think we could be pretty certain that those are coming but I don't think there's anything to worry about with Lexington I think that uh, I think you'll start to see them really catch up to high point and you really will start to see that top three in the South form of high point, Lexington and West Virginia, who's also been surprisingly good. Uh, who's been pretty good so far.
0: Yeah. I, I would send time on West Virginia, but I feel like we should talk about the North division though, because sure. it's uh it's an interesting division because we said Lancaster's not one of the better or Lancaster. God forbid I make that mistake. Uh, hmm. Like we said, they're not one of the better teams but yet they're still tied at the top three and three with Long Island. And then you have Southern Maryland coming in there at two and four, and then you have York bringing up the rear at one and five, obviously not great, but early in the year. What exactly is the North division? Because we know Long Island's going to jump ahead of it. Uh, Three and three, I don't think is a fair representation of their record. But at the same time, you have other teams here that no one's been able to really find their footing.
1: Yeah, I think part of it is, uh, I think a part of it is a representation of who they play. Lancaster still has not, does not have a non-Gastonia win this year. Mm. Uh, so they but three and one against Gastonia have gotten absolute. They've been, and they've gotten crushed by high point twice. So uh, I, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll have to see at, at least to this point. Um, I worry about Lancaster also, cause they lost Heath Fillmire, uh, it was supposed to be their ace. He was really good on opening night in Gastonia. They lost him. Uh, he got picked up. Why am I? Bl- oh, the Indians, the Indians picked yep. him up. Uh, and so I'm, I'm worried a little bit about their pitching rotation. They turned to a guy on Wednesday night uh, who really most recently pitched in the Pecos league in D two ball. And let's just say the high point rockers had a lot of fun with him. Uh, they, they uh, especially Logan Morrison, who was like, wow, this is easy. And, deposited balls over the fence uh but yeah. i i think so i think it's more of a representation of that i think southern maryland is a team i like uh they're two and they're two and four at the moment however again their first two series again have been against uh west virginia and lexington they split against west virginia uh they, they were able to get a split against a good team in west virginia so uh and they they've lost twice so far um against lexington i still like them in general, York—I mean, their pitching so far is—it's mean, the same York team every year, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, like their offense has been very good so far. I mean, Nelly Rodriguez has been outstanding uh, so far, and their pitching has just been dreadful uh, to start. They made Nick the other night in yeah. Gastonia. They lost ten to nine, and they had six errors as a team. Six errors.
0: If you're gonna have six errors, you're gonna expect to lose. There's just no way
1: around that. And the funny thing is, they almost won, <laughs> but uh, which is which is just crazy. So I, I think that um, York, I definitely see the reason for for concern about, um, although although York, obviously they played a good high point team and. You know, with uh, with Gastonia, they haven't looked good at all so far in the in the pitching department. But I, I really do think it's Long Island and everyone else. Once Long Island's bats start to get going a little bit, I think they're going to start really start to separate uh, themselves from the pack. Long Island's played a difficult schedule so far as well, so I think Long Island is by far the best team in this division. And you know, for second place, I think it's still Southern Maryland, at least from what I've seen so far. But certainly, the long way to go.
0: Yeah, what I will say though is this much. I I gotta say though that York of all teams should know not to panic over a slow start. They that they learned nothing from 2019 where you can have a slow start and still win the division. So, like, don't be. But panic. not just a slow
1: start, like a 13 and 30 start.
0: Yeah, like the point where. On this show, we were burying them. I had said, they're done. You do not have to worry about them. They're done. They're 13 and 30. They're not going anywhere. I've kept beating that drum. And then they came out of nowhere. And then I was like, oh, great. Yeah, they're going to have a high street. They're going to get to 500. Great. Like They weren't going to go 17 games under 500. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're better than Sugar Land. So I'm just saying, they really, of all teams... And like the fans of those teams really should not panic at this. One in five no. is nothing compared to thirteen and
1: thirty. <laughs> Very true. So,
0: uh, with that, and I do want to point out though, York. Uh, I will see what you're saying about the pitching here. Their runs per game is eight point one seven on average, giving up. Yeah. As opposed is... to just scoring fourteen or four point three three. Funny That's enough, horrid. actually, if you want a fun fun fact for you. York's like runs per nine allowed is the same exact number as high points runs per nine scored. (laughs) So if they play, you can expect that high points going to score exactly 8.13 runs.
1: That sounds, analytically speaking, that is true.
0: The math works and the numbers don't lie.
1: Numbers do not
0: lie. Yeah. So with that, is there anything else left really in the Atlantic League here? Like, I suppose we could circle back to West Virginia if you really wanted to. But I think... Uh, yeah, I
1: mean, through six games, I, I think that's, that's about all we have at that at this point, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, like, that's the thing. And that was something I think I mentioned in the beginning of the show. It's been over an hour now since we were at that point. So I don't know if I said this or not. But it's so early on that, especially in the Frontier League and the Atlantic League, but even, I mean, the American Association has been playing for, what, 10 days or two weeks nearly three weeks it's too early to really say definitively one way or the other about these teams and like the atlantic league i think especially suffers from this where you've played six games like i am i supposed to have a hard line stance uh in from memorial day weekend games on a schedule that's going to run into october like I'm not going to have anything to say about that. Like, we, we still have a lot of baseball left to play. So, I mean, like, you could say how they've done the past week, but it's hard to really say anything uh, going right. forward. So, I guess on that note, uh, we go to the plugs and then we can get out of here. Uh, if you want to follow the show on social media, you could do so at Ball Pod on Twitter and on Instagram at ALPB underscore news to stay up to date with all your um atlantic league happenings as well as all your raccoon sightings as well too and Indie ball report on instagram as well you can also go to the website where you will find all the articles all the previews all the episodes and the show notes which which have links to everything we discussed today although you pretty much will just get linked to baseball reference but i mean like you could do that i guess and if you want the direct link there go take a couple extra steps go for it uh all that's on the website IndieBallReport.com. Uh, if you want to follow the show on TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, or really any major uh, podcast carrier, you can do so. Uh, so that way you do not miss any episodes of the Indie Ball Report podcast. And with that said, I know for a fact I have something to add this week. But I'm just curious if you have anything to add before I, I go I do, I do
1: have I, I do have something to add. And, and th- th- here's what I have to add. I mm. uh, Nick, you you've probably was, we we have we had similar uh, a similar view about this. We are at indie ball podcast, yeah. after all, so I'm sure you have have you have you heard of the the Twitter account Advocates for Minor Leaguers? I have heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So over the past week, there's oh, been two the Myrtle stories. Beach thing. Yes, not only that, there was a new one. Oh, so, another one. There, there were two sickening stories that came out this past week about about how these minor leaguers are treated. This, of course, this is not indie balls' affiliated minors. Yeah. Uh, so, at least for Myrtle Beach, uh, they were on the road, I believe, in Salem, Virginia. Yeah. And uh, and at that point, um, the players, I guess, they were trying to get a, a room in a hotel, and they said they had no more. Um, they they had no more room and then the team said you're on your own and so at that point there were at least i said more than a dozen players uh, were planning to spend the night in the clubhouse professional athletes spending the night in a clubhouse like and god knows what you what you'd be sleeping on luckily after this was brought to light you know what obviously you know what um yeah bad publicity does it lets you do uh, they appear and then all the problems magically go away yeah and so that got solved and then there was another story from the oakland days uh the oakland a, I, it didn't specify which minor league affiliate but there was a a post-game spread of, of food i remember these oh, guys are getting paid below like- below minimum wage uh below minimum wage so, and i thought this was a pretty a topic that everyone was kind of on the same page about but yeah. it's it's crazy to read some of these comments like seriously uh, of people who tell them to stop being spoiled I you mean, gotta don't pay even think- your
0: dues before you can have edible food oh, in not- the clubhouse <laughs>
1: I'm going to describe the food that they were given. One, we have two slices of bread, one slice of cheese, one leaf of lettuce, and one slice of tomato. Oh,
0: the fire uh, festival special.
1: And, and and exactly. And I believe that's coleslaw uh, on the side. Oh, that's one. That's the worst And then part. two is I think what they tried to go for a chicken fajita. Uh, however, it is a it is a um a tortilla with uh, three, uh, with, uh, I believe that's a pepper. We have three peppers. Three. Two, uh, two orange peppers, one red pepper, with one piece of chicken. Seriously. Like, this is, and I, and it's funny because I thought, this is what we were told by Major League Baseball, that these days were going to be over because they cut 43 minor league affiliates. So now you got your wish. Here's all the money that you now have to spend. And you said you were going to make life for these minor leaguers. And it's been a lie. And it's been a lie. And it's so frustrating uh, to, to see these stories that literally players that, like, the teams feed the players. Um, and the team... Feed the, feed, they feed the players after the game worse than I feed my dog, which is really it's just it's it's so sad to see. Um, and there there are a couple teams I believe that I believe the Orioles and the Astros who are now providing housing yeah. for players when they're at home, which is certainly a, a good that that yeah, kudos to them. That's that's great. I I honestly did not know that players were just responsible for finding short term housing on their own when they get moved around the minors, which is just amazing to me that they're just like yeah well find somewhere to stay i mean it, it's just brutal this needs to change and uh yeah, the I dodgers know that,
0: also do a good job at providing a post-game spread supposedly what's that supposedly the dodgers are good about this too
1: yes yeah so the teams who are doing a good job great job i'm not stunned that the a's are not one that are doing it uh, despite their owner who runs the, the smallest budget in all of baseball, despite being worth like $2.5 billion. I don't know. Look, I'm not going to go on that tangent.
0: Look, but, Billy likes uh, to keep the money on the field.
1: B- Billy likes to keep the money on the field. That's right. Uh, so, um, yeah, so this needs to change. I'm glad it's being brought to light, and, uh, and any of that is exposed, especially when you have – these huge teams with huge financial backing, backing you know, it's it's terrible to see.
0: Yeah, that I never understood the point of Nickel and diving on like off the field stuff for your minor leaguers. Like I understand you're not getting them the the top of the line stuff, but like how many minor league affiliates do you have? Five now, is that right? Or four?
1: Uh, low A, so you have GSL, uh, Low A, High A, yeah, so five.
0: Five. Okay, so you have five. Roughly speaking, 23 guys per? Yes. All right, let's round it up to 25 to make the math easier because I suck at math. So that's 125 players. You mean, tell me, that in most of the areas where these minor league teams are, you couldn't rent, like, an apartment and put two or three guys in an apartment for a grand a month? Like... Yeah. It looks like it would run you probably around... 80 to 100 Gs I and mean, everything's all said and done on average for yeah. for the year or per, for everything there. It, it just seems like you could get away fairly cheap with that. And then like the food afterwards, I can't imagine the food's going to cost you all that much because you're buying it wholesale.
1: And, just like, get them a sub. Just get them a turkey sub. It's not hard. I
0: mean, like, Christ, you could even go even lower than that. Get a big tub of peanut butter, a big jar of honey. And then, like, celery or bananas or something. Like, that works. Like, that's an option there. That, I mean, you can even go with, like, a pasta or something. I mean, like, that you could get that pretty cheap per pound. I mean, even if you want to go with, like, a rice or something. Like, rice is dirt cheap. Very. Like, you could go with, like, there are so many options here. Like, you don't have to have, like, nutritionists and whatnot. But just, like, would it be that much work there? I mean, like...
1: why teams don't invest in their future players is just beyond me. I don't exactly. know why like, that's the reason you cut corners. That's like, where you cut corners. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
0: like because the players are going to either be productive for you, or you want them to be a good trade chip for other players that you want to be productive for you. So, like, mm-hmm. it makes no sense to try and, like, cut corners there and sabotage that objective for the amount of... Sa- like, if you were saving, like, tens of millions, then I could see why you'd do it, but like, you're not saving more than a million here at best.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, at very best, yeah. yeah. So, uh, with that said, I don't think we have anything else left to add. So, until next week, don't forget to play ball. That was, again, another one of the, uh, the better ones from Off the Cuff, I think.
1: Sounds like a good one, yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, okay, then, awesome. We're going to run with that.